We're looking at a chapter in Scripture today about a group of people that were full of pride. About a group of people that made, if it was possible, worship about themselves, almost, rather than God. And when you take something sacred, when you take something that that God has instituted to be about Him, for Him, and make it about yourself, you're not, you're not actually worshiping Him. You are, you're worshiping yourself. And we had a group of people in Matthew chapter 23, which is where we are today, that, that made things all about themselves, that made things all about how they looked, how they appeared, rather than about honoring God. And we have, um, I want you, want you to consider this illustration because if it's all about us, if it's all about um, pride rather than God, it's really kind of a fruitless pursuit. And you'll exp- I'm going to explain a little bit more what I mean. My, my house is surrounded by leaves right now. I'm not very good at keeping up because it's surrounded by trees, it just pour leaves upon leaves upon leaves. It's surrounded by leaves, and if I was to actually pick one leaf up at a time and carry it down to the, to the road, I would think that would be an exercise in futility. It really would be very ineffective to just pick up one leaf at a time, and probably by the time I got down there, it would have probably been blown back, okay? Some other place. And... For some people, I think, in regards to what we're going to find in Matthew 23, for some people, religion or church, if you will, is a waste of time. It is completely a waste of time because for some people, it's a a show. You've been in churches like this or you've seen people like that. Others are focused on things that don't matter. For example, it's, it's about themselves rather than God. And so if, if, if you come to church and it's about yourself, if it's about the show, if it's about dressing up for church, if it's about you know, all the exterior things that really don't matter, and we're going to see some of this here in Matthew 23, then it's a waste of time. Religion's not about checking off boxes. It's not about going through the motions. It's not about the external things or the clothes we wear and, and focusing on minor things rather than the big things. We're going to see that today in Matthew chapter 23. It's very, I want us to talk about essentially religion that matters today. I want to talk about what it means to, to focus on the right things, to actually major on the majors rather than on the minor things. And Jesus has some really harsh words to say to a particular group of people called the Pharisees. And we've, we've looked at this passage in the past, but this passage comes up in our reading this past week. If you're still hanging in there, I hope, cool, and uh, reading through the Bible together in a year. I know I've missed a couple of days actually posting stuff. I want you to know that doesn't mean that I'm not reading. I am right up here, right there with you guys. But I'd love for you as well to encourage you to comment on Facebook for us to get into some conversations. A lot of you have done that, which has been cool. To also put questions down there to make us think through things. Okay, we don't want this just to be a mindless check the box kind of thing. We want to grow, which is the point. 
We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be who God's called us to be. And so we see this chapter, and we're going to look at this. In, in Matthew 23, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. In other words, they're, they're in charge. They're, they're put in leadership. It says, so do and observe what they tell you. But he says, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but they, they do not practice. So there, there's a lot of the things that they're saying that are right, but you know what? They're not following any of them. They're not actually carrying through with the things that they claim. This is interesting how Jesus actually says this. You know, listen to what they say, but, you know, don't, don't be like them. Because they are literally not practicing what they preach. That's where this whole, that whole phrase comes from. It's from Matthew 23, uh, verse 2, or 3. My, my eyesight is so bad lately. 3, for they preach, but do not practice. We have to practice what we preach. And I have to say that there, there are times where I've avoided topics or things at different points in my life realizing that I could not preach something because I have not been practicing it. You're not going to hear me spouting off something in church that, that I'm not practicing, that I'm not progressing on, that I'm not trying to do. or you know, I, I, that's, I want to be able to, to practice what I'm preaching. Otherwise, I feel like the words that I have to say are powerless. If there's nothing behind the words... It is like the illustration. It's just leaves blowing in the wind. There is, it's going nowhere. Jesus says, don't be like them because they, they preach this stuff, but they're not practicing it. And it says to make things worse, in verse 4, they, they tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They tell everyone else what they should do. Make it really difficult, but don't do anything themselves. What point would it be for a preacher to get up and preach on tithing, for example? You should give your 10% to God, and the preacher doesn't do the same thing. He doesn't do that himself. Or he doesn't, hey, let's read through the Bible in a year. Rah, rah, great, great. And then I'm not doing it. Like, what? You know. That's not just me, it's all of us. As a church, are we doing this? Are we, are we there? Are we growing? Are we doing the things? that we're preaching about. And so these people, the Pharisees, they'll lift up these heavy burdens and, and make it you know, difficult for themselves, for, for others, but they won't lift a finger themselves. They, they do all their deeds, he says, in verse 5, to be seen by others. That's what I was referring to earlier. They, they want to be seen, you know? To be seen by others, says, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Phylacteries were basically big boxes, I believe, that I think primarily on their head of scriptures they had memorized. The whole point was to keep scripture in front of you, to be reminded of what God has to say. But they, they made them as big as they could, you know, so it would stand out so people would see, oh, He's religious, okay? You know, it'd be the equivalent of us, you know, getting the, I guess, the, the biggest Bible that you could, you know, like carrying around the family Bible. Anybody, anyone have one? You know what I'm talking about? One that, that sits on the coffee table that no one probably reads. 
you know, because we have more practical sizes. You know, just kind of carrying that thing around, you know. That dude's righteous. Okay. That guy's got it going on. Looking the part, though, doesn't mean anything. Looking, looking flashy, wearing the right clothes, having the biggest Bible, you know, having, you know, showing up at Bible studies, doing all the so-called right things in the outside doesn't mean that the inside is different. And the, the, they love the show, the Pharisees did. They made their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. You know? And being called rabbi by others. That's, that's the, the preacher that just loves being called pastor. Now, I understand it's a term of respect, and I appreciate that. But I don't try to you know, make people call me Pastor Lance or Pastor This or get offended if you don't or Reverend. Or, you know, but there are people that have to have that, those credentials in front of their name, too. You know? They live for that. I'm not saying it's inappropriate to put, you know, it's going to be doctor one day, you know, or whatever, you know put those things there. But, but that's, that's what these people lived for was the externals, the, the, the place of honor, being recognized and honored, but yet living a crappy life. I was really impressed, uh, Diane and I both, after my surgery, my doctor, um, I had to go back in because I had some complications with stuff and and he's like, all right, so when you go home, what you need to do is this, blah, 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 blah. But if this doesn't happen, you need to come back and see me because we could have some bigger issues. Well, I was doing good. And I was outside walking and we get a phone call. And turns out that it's my, my doctor. And he called me himself, not his nurse. And he didn't say, hey, this is uh, Dr. Kraft calling to check on Lance. You know, he's like, I can't remember his first name. He's like, hey, Eric Kraft here. I was just wondering how you're doing. To the point that we're like, who? You know, because you expect doctors to say, this is Dr. Kraft calling to check on you. There's a guy that did not, was not concerned about his title, okay? But this guy was a guy that was concerned with healing, about what really mattered, rather than how he looked what his title was, being recognized over the phone even by one of his patients. Oh, yes, so great, mighty doctor. He didn't care about that. But these guys did. They cared about being called rabbi, wearing and, and showing up and, and looking as someone of honor, but on the inside being quite different. And Jesus says something very interesting here in, in verse 8. Excuse me. He says, but you, you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Now that's kind of interesting because this is one of those passages where you're like, what is he saying here, for one? The other thing we ask ourselves, you know, sometimes with Scripture is like, does he really mean that? 
so I can't call my dad dad? What is he saying there? What is he saying? We're going we're to come back to that. But the point is, you know, no, or just to rehash this, no one calls your, you shouldn't call anyone rabbi, you shouldn't call anyone father, and you shouldn't call anyone instructor or teacher, okay, depending on the translation that you have. And he gives good reason for it. Because he says this, the greatest among you, this is what it has to do with, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. It's a different way of going about things. It seems like in, in our daily life, if you're going to make something about yourself, you kind of need to you know, have that confidence. You kind of need to puff yourself up a little bit. You got to have that pride and a little bit of swagger, you know, for, for people to recognize you and for you to be taken seriously. And then, of course, we have those people that really overdo it, that you just don't want to be around, you know. That's kind of what we have. We've, we've got to have this confidence. You got to have some pride. You got to have some swagger. But God says that the great Jesus in particular, the greatest among you will be your servant. How good of a servant are you? The greatest person is the lowest person. And what happens is, is whoever exalts himself will be humble, but the person who humbles himself will be exalted. That just doesn't fit with modern society. But God says this is the, the way of the kingdom. When you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. And he says this too, but if you exalt yourself and tell you what, you will be humbled. In fact, I'll be the one that humbles you. You see that all the way through Scripture. God hates pride. Cannot stand it. Pride, many people would say, is the root of sin. Okay, and I've mentioned this before, but if I had a board, it would probably be like sin. If you spell it, it would be a little s, a huge i, and a little n, because it's at the center of it. Because when it becomes about us and what I want, what I want to do, and it becomes about me, it just leads down that road. It says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. We're going to go there in a second. You, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. The kingdom of heaven is, is broad. When, you, when you're reading through the New Testament, we've, we've seen this show up in Matthew. You can see it again in, in, in the rest of the Gospels. But when it refers to the kingdom of heaven here, we're not talking about heaven in the sense of going off to heaven when we die. The kingdom of heaven is, is, is not... A place. It's more of an existence. It's about entering something you enter into. It's a way of living. It's a kingdom. It's a, it's a mentality. It is a place as far as a sense of being with God, but it's grander. And the thought that I think he's saying here is, is when you're understanding the kingdom, when you're having that moment, if you're, you're shutting that in people's faces, they're not glimpsing what it means to taste and see that God is good. They're not understanding what what it's all about, what Christianity really is, what it means to worship me. To enter into the kingdom is to understand a certain kind of peace, a certain kind of life, a certain kind of living. It's much bigger. It's, it's a way of life. It's not just a place. 
And it says, you guys are shutting that, the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. You, 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 try, you, you don't grasp. You're missing it. To me, the, this is kind of a nebulous illustration of this, but, but when we worship, when we, when we sing on Sunday mornings, you have an opportunity to enter into the presence of God or not. It's not about the externals of, of sound coming out of our mouths and, and out of the drum and out of, out of the guitar. That is the external. Those things are indeed happening, but entering into worship is something that you choose to do. It can be just music or it can be worship. Music is simply a tool for us to worship God and say, God, I value you. Worship is offering worth to God. God, you are huge. You are big. You're awesome. You're mighty. I love you. That is to enter in to the kingdom of God. To, to, with our hearts, offer praise to God. That's worship. That's entering into the kingdom. And you have people here, the Pharisees, that are just shutting the door and they aren't entering in. To them, it's, you ever been in a church service before and you just see people with their arms crossed? They don't even try. They just kind of sit back like, make me sing. You know, make me get something out of this. I was drugged here. I didn't want to be here. It's Sunday and my wife made me come. You know, or, or, or whatever. And they have that mentality. They are not entering in. And then you have other people like the Pharisees who are completely shutting it in people's faces where they wouldn't allow them to come in. In other words, you know, it's as if you went into a church and everyone is dressed up and this guy comes in in, in not dressed up clothes, whatever that might be, because anything compared to a suit is not dressed up. And they look at the person, you know, and they, they just shut the door. You know what I mean by that? You know, they're not welcome. They're, they aren't entering into worship themselves, and they're certainly not helping that other person. They're keeping them away from God by little things and by stupid things, even though on the outside they look the part. Can't enter into the kingdom. And so, woe to you. You hypocrites, he says, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And then he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is interesting for you. Travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte or a convert, right? You go all the way across sea and land to witness, if, if we were to use that word. And when he becomes a proselyte, or a follower, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Whoa. It's kind of like, okay, you know, if I, and this is part of this is y'all don't even grasp, which I, which I think is great because you've maybe not been in places like this. But I've been in churches before where 
you know, that if you were going to raise up your children right in this church, it was about wearing the right clothing. You couldn't, you know, if you're going to be a true follower of Jesus and you go to church, you have to wear a suit. You have to have the right version of the Bible. If it's not King James, well then, you know, that's just not the right version. It's got to be King James, you know. You have to, all these little outside external things, by the way, King James is a translation, okay, like all the rest of our translations of the original Greek and Hebrew. But it was, it was about the external things. Is, is wearing a, a suit important? Is the translation of the Bible that, that you have important? Or there's, there's arguments over stupid small things that when it comes to the point of it don't really matter. And I'm getting ahead of myself because Jesus is going to talk further about this. But you, you make him worse. You point him in the wrong direction. You go and you tell him about Jesus, but, but, but you're, 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 you're focusing on different things and you're making them much worse than you even are yourself twice as much a child of hell as yourself. It's pretty intense. And then he's, he just goes on and he says, Woe to you blind guides. He says this, If, if any, anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, then he's bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, then he's bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it, and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits upon it. You're missing the point. Talking about the gold, when the temple that... <laughs> that is the, that it, where God dwells, which is more important? You're talking, you know, they, they had it all backwards. It was all messed up. Jesus is having to, to correct because all the people that, that saw these Pharisees go from day to day are looking at these Pharisees who are supposed to be these leaders, these teachers of the law, these rabbis, these, you know, these people that, that are supposed to be worthy of respect. And they've got it all twisted. They've got it all backwards. Jesus continues, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He uses that word a lot. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. Tithing mint, dill, and cumin. How big is that stuff? You know, when you, when you tithe, of course, the original aspect of tithing, you know, the, the, 
the finances of the day, if you will, were in crops that you would produce, you know, and with animals that you had and things of that nature. Of course, money comes into this too, but, you know, if you give a tenth of the, of, of your herbs, or, or, you know, how important is that? How big are herbs compared to other, you know? It's probably, I mean, I always think of herbs as being just the smallest, tiniest of things. Yeah. You, you guys are great. Sure, we're so thankful you tithe your mint, your dill, and your cumin. Congratulations on that. So glad for that. But you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, the big stuff. How can you be focused on all these little things, okay? But you neglect justice and mercy and faithfulness. You know, it's like, it's like someone who, who with, without a doubt, and I'm not saying tithing isn't important, but they tithe every week, and, and they, they think because they do that that they're just big crap, okay? But then they just are the most unloving, ungracious people that you've ever met. You know what I'm talking about. It's not just that. It's, it, it can be other, other, other things that they, they are just very severe about and do this. I, you know, you can't say a thing about me, but they are just the most unloving and hateful people. Unforgiving, ungracious people. And that's, that's a, Jesus, Jesus is saying here, you can, you can do all these other things, you check off the boxes, but if you neglect the weightier, the weightier the matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, you, know, you, you, are, you blind guides, he says, you're straining out a gnat and you're swallowing a camel. Tense. Well, the and you see this particular aspect, this example of love and grace throughout the Gospels. Well, Jesus says, "Yeah, these things are important, and I've asked you to do these things, but you can't focus on those things and then not love." Oh, because we learn later on too, right? In First Corinthians, where it talks about love. You can give your body to the flames. You can sacrifice yourself having gone over land and sea, you know, telling people about Jesus. You could have given your, your very life, but not love. It's a waste of time. It's a, it's, it's a clanging gong. It's a clanging symbol. If you do this without love, you do all the so-called right things and you don't love. If you look the part and you've got big phylacteries, you say all the right things, you check off all the right boxes, but you don't love, it's a waste of time. I'm going to step back for a second and try to focus in on some of the things we've said. Because essentially the question I think this morning is, first of all, how do we, how do we have a, I don't like using the word religion. If you understand religion in the sense of what Jesus is saying, that's great. But how do you have a religion in, that is not a waste of time? 
In other words, how do we be people that are loving, that are, that are focused on the weightier matters, that are, that are serious about the things we say and the words and, and the heart match? I want to give some things to think about. Words versus action. Okay? That's what we saw at the very beginning of this chapter. Pharisees had great words. They said all the right stuff. Jesus says, yeah, listen to what they say, but don't listen to their actual life. Because they're not putting it into practice. Words versus action. The first thing, that if you're taking some mental notes or writing this down, take action. Do something about it, right? It can't just be words. It just can't. There's no power to just words. There's only power to words with action. You know, the, the, my metaphor for my life over the last four months has been this whole aspect of weight loss. There's, there's, there's people that talk about it and there's people that actually do it. They're serious about it. And, the, and things change. And there's a very physical, visible example. Words and action have to, have to come together. I was a guy of words for a while, for quite a while, until my wife and I got in an argument. We did. Diane's like, when are you going to take seriously what you've been telling me? And I got angry, and I found some stupid app and started losing weight. But it wasn't until I did something about it, right, that there was change. And, and this year, one of the things we're doing is we're... we're, we're doing something about making sure we understand what God says. That's great. Take action. Here's, here's the huge aspect of things you mentioned a, a moment ago. Pride versus humility. You've got Pharisees exalting themselves over, over others, thinking they're so much better than everybody else. You see uh, more of a subtle example in the video in, in a way, you know, not quite as pronounced as you see Jesus, like, bam, you know, with this guy who's, I guess, kind of yelling or just being smug with the lady and the, picking up his dry cleaning. You know, people that just come across as if they're better than you. If you've ever been a cashier or a server, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pride versus humility. We need to humble ourselves. What comes to mind is the, the example of prayer that Jesus gives at one point too in Scripture between the, um, the tax collector and, and the Pharisee. And the Pharisee is like, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this sinful tax collector over here. Thank you that I'm not like him and I'm not like this and I'm not like that. So grateful. I'm not a piece of human filth like this person over here and blah, blah, blah. And the other guy just wouldn't even lift his head to heaven, it says. Just, just completely humbled before God. Which one is the heart that pleases God? It's the sinner who wouldn't even lift his, lift his head up. So we need to take action. We need to humble ourselves. 
little things versus big things. We talked about that with the tithing of the mint and the dill and the kulin, but but leaving out the things, the weightier aspects of the law. Things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. It's time to, to truly focus on what matters. Focus on the big things. <laughs> I wish, I know Eric's um, doing kid stuff, but, uh, you know, Dennis and I got in just the, the most ridiculous argument this morning over something that completely does not matter, a hill of beans. And we just went on and on and on about it. You've ever been to one of those things where it's like you just can't imagine how the other person thinks a certain way and they can't imagine how you think a certain way and it just goes deeper and there is no progress. And then you start dragging other people into it. Tell me what you think about this idea and what about this scenario. And the other person is like kind of vying for their perspective and that person is vying for that perspective. And, and, and it sounds and it's just heated and intense and you walk into this conversation you're like, what's going on between these two? You can tell they're irritated and they're angry at each other. What was it about? Okay, so you have a box of Altoids. And Altoids have 10 calories for three of them. I'm not even going further than that. You're like, wait, wait, what? A box of Altoids? And the question was, how many calories, if, uh, if it's three Altoids, is 10 calories, how many calories is in one Altoid? And, and Dennis was very scientific in a, in a, in a chemistry background type of thing. But if you walk in from the outside, you're like, wait a minute, what? You're angry and you're frustrated talking about what? Altoids? Little tiny mints that you throw in your mouth for your breath? They're going to be gone in like five seconds. Does that matter? What's more important, being right about the amount of calories in an Altoid or the relationship between a father and a son? What's more important, being right or the love in that relationship? What would Jesus say? I guess no one's going to answer that. I'll just let that, let that day. Okay, the love. Yes. Who in the world, who in the world cares between what boils down to the point three whatever of something as, as opposed to the relationship between us. And there are things like that in our lives that we will dig into, we will fight over, and we will scratch and claw about, and will be pulled apart over stupid things that don't matter at all. They don't matter. And you had some Pharisees that were, that were making you know, such a big point about how they were tithing their mints and their dill and their cumin, but they were not giving justice to people. There was no mercy. and There was no faithfulness in their lives. Are we living lives that are focused on what matters? Are we living lives that are focused 
on the weightier things? It's a good question to step back sometimes and say, is, is where this conversation headed, is headed worth it? Is this aspect of my relationship that I've, with this person focused on something that matters? Or is, does this need to go? You know, there, there are, what is really important? It's good to just stop in the, in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of us. What are the things that are truly important? You think about social media, okay? Things can get torn apart over an or argument about, you know, there are some big things out there, but, but, but most of the time it's not. And then all these relationships are torn apart over so-and-so's comment over this and this back and this forth. Let's focus on what matters. We got one, one last thing here. Whew, I'll wrap it up. The last part of this is fascinating. Verse 25, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, once again. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Take the the cup is an example. And then it goes on. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Guess what he calls them? Somebody answer. Thank you. Hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. And so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The example of a tomb. As people were coming up to, to the temple, they would, to celebrate, they would, uh, and to worship, they couldn't touch anything unclean. If they were unclean, they couldn't participate. And they would have to wait, I think, 24 hours or something, and they would have to wash if they touched anything that was dead. And so they would purposely take these areas of graves as people were coming up to Jerusalem and they would uh, put limestone type stuff or white stuff to clearly indicate that they, they were, that's what they were to stay away from them and they look pretty on the outside but it's a grave dead people bones on the inside okay it's disgusting and he's saying you Pharisees in the same way are disgusting you look great on the outside. You look just sharp in your robes and your phylacteries and all that other kind of stuff. But on the inside, you are a complete jerk. You're a complete mess. And you ever had a moment like that where you think you're doing good and then you just, it just comes out. Like, Who in the world am I? Where in the world is my heart? Can't control, you know. You can't. You can only hide that in the inside for so long. It comes out, you know. And the thing is, it's like, man, you know, you can take a shower and you can wash off all, all the stuff from working in the yard, this, that, and the other. But how do you wash off the heart? How do you wash off the mind? And the Pharisees were focused on the outside. Jesus is focused on the inside. You're drinking out of that cup. This is what's coming out of the inside of you. 
You're like whitewashed tombs. You, you, you look great on the outside, but inside, within you, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Outside versus inside. You know, the, the, the outside is, the thing about this is, it's easy to fake the outside. You know, you can look the part. Especially in a traditional church, you can, you can really look religious. Here, no one knows because we just wear anything, which I like, you know. But if you go to a very traditional church that I've been in the park, you know, you could wear a suit, and you could get that big Bible, and people would be like, this dude's serious, you know. You would look the part. But just looking the part does not change what's actually on the inside doesn't change what's really going on. The outside is easy to fake. It's easy to fake, but you can't fake the inside, can you? I was thinking about a lot of stuff, a lot of work I have to do at home, clearly. But I was thinking, you know, about the house. You know, Diane and I, I think, um, just because she's who she is and I'm who I am, have different priorities when it comes to the house. There are lots of things that need to happen in our house, right? What, is, what does Diane want to do? She wants to paint the inside of the house. She wants to, to get rooms looking. And they just, we just did a big thing for Shelby. Shelby's room is looking, looking sharp. But what I'm worried about is, well... How's the roof holding up? You know, how is, uh, uh, you know, what about this rotten wood around the windows uh, outside? What about, you know, this huge limb or this, this dead tree that I've got that could fall? Yeah, still dealing with a stupid tree. Those things, you know, the, the, the inside of the house could be pretty, but it could still be falling apart. Because there are aspects of our house, there are weightier things that are much more important that it doesn't do any good to have a pretty room if the wood's rotten, if it's about to crash, if it's about to fall apart. When it boils down to the, the aspects of our life that matter, things are important. The outside really doesn't matter. It's a matter of what's going on on the inside, what's going on in the heart, what's going on in the head. That's why me losing 47 pounds in, in the sake of things doesn't matter doesn't change who I am as a person. It's funny how people will look at you differently based on how you look on the outside or what you wear, this, that, and the other, but they don't see what's really on the inside. They don't know what kind of person you really are. The thing is, God does. He knows exactly who you are. We can't be, we can't be Pharisees. We can't be scribes. Jesus uses them for this primary example of saying, you, it's who you are on the inside. Focus on the, on the real, real aspect of things that need changing. It's our heart. It's our mind. It's who we truly are before God.
Would you stand with me this morning? I will say, you know, this kind of stuff for this group, you know, I, by no means do I, would I say that we are, um, that we're perfect or we, we're at a, you know, but I think we, we understand we're, we're real about where we are, about who we are, what we're dealing with. But I think for us to focus on it, to continue to talk about it, allows us to continue to grow, allows us not to become pharisaical, to not be, to become focused on things that don't matter. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for a very vivid uh, example that you gave us, Lord, of of the Pharisees and how they were. Lord, we do pray that that we wouldn't be focused on external things, we'd be focused on internal things. We wouldn't be focused on things that don't matter, but we would be focused on, on things that truly do. The weightier things, as you say, of the law. Lord, from the inside out, Lord, help us to, uh, to be people that genuinely love you. Lord, take, let, let our, the inside of our cup be clean. Lord, uh, let us let the inside not be dead man's bones, but, 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 but alive. Lord, I pray by your Spirit, Lord, that you would continue to work in us, to mold us, to shape us, to be the people you're happy with, you're pleased with. We thank you so much for your love and your grace towards us. Lord, help us to be loving and graceful people. Lord, let us, let us carry your words with us today. Lord, let it not be religiosity, just religion, just knowledge and stuff. Lord, let us live it out. We love you. We're grateful. We thank you for this time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said... Amen.